Here's a fun fact about me. I struggle to bend one of the fingers on my right hand. See, I can't, I can't, I can't get it all the way down. Why? I feel some resistance, I feel some pain because several years ago I was in a fairly serious car accident and part of that car accident involved a piece of glass going right inside there and now kind of leaving a lot of scar tissue or whatever. You can see a little scar and, and, I, and I can't fully bend my finger anymore. Uh, what had happened was I was on, I was on a highway and I was, I was rear-ended and I was sent into a ditch and my vehicle rolled, uh, totaled the car and uh, you know I walked away from that, uh, but the police had, had charged the driver on the scene uh, for that incident. And uh, little did I know at the time though, that the, the shock of, of a windshield exploding glass into my body and, and being thrown around like that, little did I know that that was not the end uh, of all of the, the pain and the inconvenience uh, of a moment like this. Uh, there began to be, come pretty clear to me that there was gonna be layers of hurt involved. And it started as early as the emergency room. I, I show up there and the, and the doctor uh, stitching me up uh, starts to basically lecture me uh, on safe driving and, and, and all like as if he's blaming me and, and, and saying, hey, well, you know, now, now here's how you're going to be a better driver in the future, right? And, and maybe understandably, you could see why I didn't receive that super well in, in the moment. And so there's this other layer now uh, of offense that I've, I've felt. And it, and it kept going uh, with, with a lot of different people, a lot of different parties. Uh, eventually, I find out, uh, you know, weeks and, and, and months later, that I have to show up in court because the other driver, it was fighting uh, the police on the charges and I actually need to make an appearance. So there's another layer of hurt, another something that's like, wow, like what, why is this situation still going? Uh, it unfolded even further because that whole court situation uh, was resolved. I hadn't pressed any charges, but, but it turned out that the police had actually made a mistake. And so the, the driver was correct in, in fighting what he was fighting. And so I thought, okay, well, whatever, at least, at least that part is done. Even though now I, I feel a, a bit of a grudge against, you know, the, the police made a mistake now too. So it's like, everybody is letting me down here and, and, and I'm feeling like this victim. And then even beyond that, more months go by and to a point where now, after all of that is behind me, a lawsuit comes my way. And so now I am, I am now in, in, in the crosshairs uh, of, of this accident and, and, and having stuff thrown at me. And, and, and there's way more to this story. But, but what I felt was at, at best, a bunch of people had failed me. And at worst, I was like under attack. And maybe, maybe you've got a story like mine, or maybe you've got a, a collection of stories that are not like mine. But regardless of, of who you are or where you are at and the situation of life you find yourself in, all of us have been wounded in our past. And all of us will be wronged in our future. And so in light of that, what we are going to talk about today is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, I'm, I'm very aware that, the, that that word, that this topic could be a trigger for some of us. Like, like what, comes, what comes to your mind when you think of forgiveness? Something, something positive or is it like, wow, you, you recoil, you, you're, you lose your breath for a moment because now you're bringing up something that you don't want to think about and wish had never maybe even happened in the first place. Forgiveness. What do we do with this? Then this past year, something that has been so hard is for some of us, we maybe have more strained relationships than we've possibly ever had before. Your friends, they, they disagree with you uh, about the government's response to the pandemic. 
a family member has, has hurt you with something that they have said or, or posted on Facebook. Something happened in your church or in your, in your community and, and that has left you with a sense of, of feeling wrong, left out, uh, neglected, abused, whatever it might be, we need to think through forgiveness. So I hope we see how relevant and how essential this topic is today because it, none of us are immune from, from, from hurt. So let's jump in today at one of the many places the Bible addresses the topic of forgiveness. We're going to camp out in Colossians chapter 3, so I'd invite you to turn there. Uh, however you have a copy of the Bible, uh, we're going to circle around this text today, and I'm going to start reading in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3, which says this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The, the main point I want to unpack today from, from this text and from the pattern of the Bible as a whole is that what I experience in my relationship with Jesus, others should experience in relationship with me. Why? Because if we follow Jesus, we need to live like Jesus. And as we dive into this, we're going to see five things that forgiveness is not, five things that forgiveness is, and then I want to give us five steps of how to forgive at the end. So, so number one, when, when we look at what we have and what we experience in our relationship with, with Jesus, we see that forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. One of the most common phrases I, I grew up hearing was forgive and forget. So someone wrongs you, forgive, move on, forget it. But do you know that forgiving is not the same as forgetting? There, there are things in your life, think about this, that are forever different because of what someone has done to you. There are things that are, that are irreversible even because of how you've been wronged. Like for me, I, 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 can't, you know, I can't bend my finger. That, that's forever a part of me. And if, and if forgiveness requires me forgetting that I've got a scar and I've got a, a you know, kind of a pain in, in my hand that I, that I notice daily, if forgiveness requires me to forget that, then how can I forgive? What, what do we do with that? What we see in Colossians here is that we're to forgive as we have been forgiven. So, so what did it take for God to forgive us? And you know what forgiveness cost? It costs God the death of his son. Jesus is forever marked by that experience. Which leads us to our next point. Forgiveness, number two, is not excusing. So what, what did it take for Jesus to forgive you and to forgive me? Well, it wasn't a denial of justice. We've just read, you know, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you in chapter 3. But if you just look over, and for me it's just right across the page, Colossians chapter 2, we see this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. This is biblical language going all the way back to the Old Testament, describing a, a horrible state of being that we could not get ourselves out of. We had wronged a perfect being, and now we were, we were not connected to the source of life. We were headed towards death. We were spiritually in this state. When we were there, it says, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all our sins and wrongdoings and rebellion. How? Verse 14, 
By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus pays for our sins. He doesn't excuse them. He pays for them. And this is like the highest possible price that God could have paid to extend forgiveness to us. And th this, is, this is important because if we think that forgiving is also excusing, why would we ever want to do that? And we're becoming increasingly aware of, of where people have done wrong and we've, 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 we've dismissed it. We, we've swept it under the rug. We've ignored it. We haven't addressed it, even in the church. And, and this, this is not good when there's wrongdoings, when there's abuse, when there's whatever there is, because this needs to be addressed. And, and the thing is, is that, that action and justice and, and, and making amends, all of that can coexist with forgiveness. Because as we see in Jesus, as we see what it took to forgive us, we know that forgiveness is not the same as excusing a wrong. But you may see this and go, uh, okay, well, how is it fair? How is it fair that Jesus would go and pay for our sins, bear our sins, be pierced for our wrongdoing? And the answer is it's not fair. Which leads us to our third point. Forgiveness is not fair. And we, and we, see, we see this in the, in the Psalms. You know, oftentimes the, the, the writers are praying, expressing real emotion, going, God, why are the wicked prospering? Why is it that people who are doing wrong seem like they're doing okay? When I'm here, I'm left with my stuff, right? How, how do we, how do we get, get through that? And you may, you may be frustrated because it seems like people who have wronged you are going without punishment. They're, they're, they're living without remorse or even awareness of what you are feeling. Or, or even of what you may have already forgiven. There's just no awareness. It's in a totally different realm of thinking for them. But look again at our text. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. You think, you think that forgiveness was fair? Je Jesus hangs on that cross. And even one of his executioners sees what's going on and says, Surely, surely this man was innocent. See, the good, the good news of Christianity is that, that Jesus' death in our place for our wrong, the exchange of his righteousness for our sin, that's, that's grace. That is a gift that we do not deserve. And think about it. From the perspective of the Bible, and this is why we don't, we don't want to miss this. Let me go on a little rabbit trail here. God has forgiven more in me than I will have to forgive in others. God has forgiven more, more in you, in this moment we've read about, than you will ever have to forgive someone who's wronged you or the many people who will wrong you. We all need God's forgiveness. And we can't forget this. I like how one writer puts it, forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. But no one can be in the presence of the God of the crucified Messiah, the Savior who was killed on a cross for long without overcoming this double exclusion. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Fourth, forgiveness is not reconciliation. And we, we need to camp here for a moment because as important and as beautiful and as, as you know, necessary and ideal as reconciliation is, 
it's still different than forgiveness. Like forgiveness might be a, the important first step in, in restoring a relationship, but it's not the same thing as reconciliation. Rob Reimer points this out very helpfully in his book, Soul Care. He says, forgiveness is a gift granted by the offended party. And while forgiveness is unilateral, meaning it's, it's, it's from one direction, reconciliation is bilateral. It requires that both parties fully participate. And what this, what this means for, for, for us is that, that I can forgive. I can forgive even someone that I can never restore a relationship with. And, and this, this, you know, this is very important because the person who wronged you, they may not be asking for forgiveness. They might, they might even like what they've done to you and might even be planning to do it again. Or they might not have even known that they've wronged you. And see, for me, when I think about the, when I think about the accident, all the people that I, that I felt had owed me something that I was not receiving, all the people I felt had hurt me in some way with, a, with an action they took or something they said or some sort of insensitivity they had to my hurt, a lot of them I, I didn't know before. A lot of them I didn't have a relationship with before. A lot of them I, I haven't seen uh, ever. Some of them, some of them I, I haven't seen again since. And so it's not like even there was necessarily a relationship to fix per se, but there's still something I feel I'm owed. And so forgiveness still needs to be addressed. And, and for some of us, and, and this is where it gets really complex, for some of us, the person that has wronged you might already be dead. And so in this life, reconciliation is, is, is not possible. But that doesn't mean forgiveness is not still on the table. And I, and I like how uh, Lisa Turkhurst, in, in, in a book where she described uh, her process of forgiveness following her husband having an affair, uh, she writes this, Forgiveness doesn't mean that, that trust is immediately restored or that hard relational dynamics are instantly fixed. The point of forgiveness is to keep your heart swept clean, cooperating with God's command to forgive, and keeping yourself in a position to be able to receive God's forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't always fix relationships, but it does help mend the hurting heart. Reconciliation, like it is so important, and it's an important goal to carry with us alongside forgiveness. But forgiving is not the same as reconciling. And fifthly, forgiveness is not a feeling. Like there, there are a lot of things that are right to do that we do not feel like doing. Like when I woke up this morning, I did not feel like doing it, but there was a certain time that was right and necessary for me to get up. And so I had to do it. Honestly, forgiveness is one of these things. It's right to do, but when do we ever feel like forgiving. Like, like, especially initially, we do not feel that way. That's not maybe our default response. But forgiveness, it's not a feeling, it's a choice that doesn't require us to feel ready. Like, like how often do you hear that? I'm just, I'm just not ready to forgive. Well, the good news is that our resource forgiveness for forgiveness, our resource for forgiveness, it's not readiness. It's the work of God in our lives. And we've seen that in, in Colossians, we'll see it all throughout, like in places like Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. But here's the thing. While forgiveness is not a feeling, it doesn't invalidate our feelings. 
Like we, like, you know, it doesn't mean that your feelings aren't real and they're not justified. Like I, I think I was pretty justified in feeling inconvenienced, feeling wrong, feeling hurt by, by the, all the many layers of things that I've told you about and some of the ones that I haven't told you about. That's going to be our experience. But the Bible never tells us to ignore our feelings. We feel pain often. We don't feel compassion. But, but here's what's been helpful for me to discover, especially, like spend some time in the book of Psalms. Like, we're not told to ignore what we feel. One writer so helpfully unpacks this, the call of discipleship, or the call of following Jesus and growing uh, in, in that relationship. It includes experiencing our feelings, reflecting on our feelings, and then thoughtfully responding to our feelings under the lordship of Jesus. And, and it's his lordship, it's his leadership in our lives, which was made possible by his high and costly act to forgive us, that allows us to both feel pain and choose compassion and choose to release what we feel we've, what we've taken on because of what's been put on us or because of what's something that's happened to us. So that leads us then, forgiveness is a choice, that leads us to what forgiveness is. First of all, forgiveness is beneficial obedience to God. And just one place I'll point us to that's, that's, that, that's helped me see this, and especially over the last five months, is Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus teaches us how to pray. In this place called the Lord's Prayer, one of the lines is this, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. As I've started to see the, the daily things through this prayer, the daily things that God wants me to pray and God wants me to have, I, I, I realize like, wow, I, this needs to be something that happens every week. I need to normalize forgiveness. Our church needs to normalize forgiveness because this is what God instructs us. And what God instructs us is always good. It may not always be easy, but it is always good. Good. So in places like Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 and, and, and Matthew 6, and, when, and they, they point us to forgive, we know that God has got something beneficial for us in mind. Look, look up the stories of, of forgiveness that are out there. Like, like Rik Sahim, who survived the Cambodian killing fields when he was 11 years old. Or, or Corey Tenboom, who, who survived imprisonment by the Nazis in the Holocaust of World War II. These stories have inspired me and, and testified to the reality that, that forgiveness is the pathway to freedom, that forgiveness is the pathway to healing. Forgiveness is sometimes also the pathway to reconciliation, and forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation are all beneficial things for us. And beyond just these things, there's also forgiveness on the table for us because looking again at just the Lord's Prayer, Jesus elaborates on one of the things from the Lord's Prayer right after that in Matthew chapter 6 where we, where we see this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their wrongdoing, the debts that they've uh, you know, incurred, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Look, all of this has been um, honestly challenging for me to understand at certain points in my life, especially when it came to this situation involving this action. Because it's like, look, freedom, healing, reconciliation, receiving God's forgiveness. I mean, like, like honestly, come on. Like, I, I, remember, I remember the first time I had to go to court. 
um, uh, after uh, this situation started to unfold. And I was with some friends the night before, and they were asking me questions about how I felt and, and what was this go what was going on, what was I expecting. And, and all throughout that, I was making these sarcastic comments and, and had a very cynical posture. I was making I was making jokes that actually really put down certain people in the situation that that I felt had wronged me. And there was honestly such a level of satisfaction in that because it felt good to, to vent my, my hurt in that way. But then as I, as I started to think about this claim that the Bible has that forgiveness is more satisfying than, than me trying to get payback, I started to realize how, how true this was. And, and, and some imagery really helped me with that. So I've got, I've got a three-year-old at home and a five-year-old at home, and the amount of energy that they have uh, leaves me prone throughout my day to surprise attacks because there are a lot of items and toys in my home that are very throwable, you might say. And so if I'm gonna make sure that I don't get hit with something unexpectedly, I need to be ready for that. And in order to be ready to, to catch something thrown at you, you your, your hands need to be open. And this goes all the way back to when I used to play basketball. You know, our coach would say, you know, you, you could have your hands out, but if your hands aren't open, you're never gonna receive a pass. So that's why you don't see people running around the court going, here, pass me the ball, here, pass me the ball, here, pass me the ball. Why? Because you're not going to make a catch like that. You always see people going, here, pass me the ball. Here, pass me the ball. Here, pass me the ball. Why? Because a closed fist will always bounce a ball back, but an open hand will always allow you to receive a pass. Why? Because receiving always requires releasing. And I think this is what forgiveness is, is, is like. If, if we carry around the bitterness of, of, of our pain, that somebody did that, they said that, it's, it's, it's irreplaceable, it's, it, they, I, can't, I can't undo what they did. And I'm carrying that debt around with me like a closed fist. I'm going to limit how much I'm able to receive. If I, don't, if I do not make the choice and realize, man, this is a beneficial act of obedience and actually open myself up, the freedom, the healing, the reconciliation, the forgiveness of God, it is gonna be much harder for me to receive that because receiving requires releasing. So are we gonna be people whose, whose heart posture when it comes to forgiveness is one of closed fist or open hand? Because forgiveness is a beneficial act of obedience to God. But more than just obeying God, this is actually about trusting God. So number two, forgiveness is an act of trusting in God. See, when, when we release people from the debt that they owe us, we're also demonstrating the belief that God is trustworthy. Like look at one place from Romans chapter 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. So, so when we release people from our hands, what we're doing is we're actually placing them in God's hands. <laughs> like, do you realize what, what happens there? Like, we're, we're, you know, God, I'm releasing this person. I'm forgiving them. I'm releasing the debt they have against me. And, and, in, that, and in that moment, we are trusting that God will deal with them. And, and this is an act of faith. This is an act of belief because I don't need to see God deal with them in order to trust that he will however he will. And more than just dealing with them, more than just dealing with the other, more than just dealing with the, the people or the person that, that has offended or hurt us, we can also trust in forgiveness 
that God is going to deal with us. Look at Psalm 147, for example. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And while I may want to deal with, with my wounds by, by holding a grudge, by continuing to, to replay the events in my mind and, and, and holding these imaginary conversations where I'm letting that person just have it and vent all of my justified anger against them, as much as I may want to bind up my wounds that way, when I forgive, I'm actually trusting that there's a better healing on the table and it's the healing that comes from God himself. The one who loves us, gave himself for us, and is with us. Number three, forgiveness is proactive. See, when we use the good news of Christianity, when we use what's called the gospel to navigate life situations, we are embracing the fact that all of our Christian activity, which includes forgiveness, all of our activity is driven by our identity. So go back again to Colossians 3, where, where we've already spent time. Like what it says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So that's who you are. That's your identity. In light of who you are, here's what you are going to do. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So maybe we need to realize, you know, sometimes people won't ask for forgiveness. Sometimes they don't, they don't even want it. And it can be a lawsuit. It can be a mean word after a car accident. People can even be doing it on purpose. Which is why we need to realize forgiveness can be proactive. And a fourth thing, forgiveness is a process. Like I would encourage you after this message, there's a very common passage people go to to look at the, the concept of Jesus teaching on forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18. Maybe, maybe look at it, read it, do it with your community group. Uh, look at what we see early on. We see this question from one of Jesus' first followers. Peter comes up to him and says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. See, among the many things this parable communicates is that it communicates that forgiveness, it can't just be always be a one-time act. It might be something we have to repeatedly do because we're going to face repeated hurts and there's going to be layers to our hurt. So, you know, we, we release somebody. We, we open that hand. We release them on Monday night. And then Tuesday morning, we wake up and it's like, my fist is closed again. I released it and I cleared the account and now there's a new sum in there. What is that all about? Forgiveness is a choice, but it's also a process. One more thing. Number five, forgiveness is proof that Christianity works. So a few years ago, a man walked into one of the schools in our city and um, stabbed two girls. One of them died and the other survived. And uh, at the time I was a youth pastor and, and you know, we had connections to the situation and the people involved. And, and you know, it was a challenging and complex thing to navigate both individually, but, but also uh, coming alongside other students who also now have to manage this, this tragedy. And I remember two days after this happened, we, we had our first youth night at the church um, Following that event, the tone was very different. There was a heaviness about it all. And we just decided as a team, look, we're going to start this this time in prayer. And so we got into these small groups. And, and, I, and I remember this is one of my most vivid memories from my time in youth ministry. In the group I was in, there was an eighth grade student 
who just started praying forgiveness over the man who had become a murderer. I, I remember I was standing, he was, he was sitting down on something. My body actually physically recoiled at hearing that. Like, how could you say that? How could you extend forgiveness to somebody in the wrong? And then I realized this isn't the first time this has happened in human history. When we see the scene of Jesus in that moment in history with him on the cross, this is what is recorded. When they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, as he's hanging there, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How could he say that? How could he do that? Just like, and we look at that, it's like just as God has forgiven us in that way, so also we must forgive. And as we actually do this, we're showing how powerful the good news of Christianity is. We're showing the power of the gospel. As we forgive, we're modeling not just better relationships, we are modeling extraordinary relationships. And this has to happen beyond just this one hour right now. Forgiveness has to extend out into all of the things that happen in each of the 168 hours of every week. People need to see that that Christianity works out there because a lot of them, they're not coming here. They need to see it out there because they're not going to be in a church facility. People need to experience forgiveness at your school. People need to experience forgiveness at your workplace. People need to experience forgiveness at that awkward family gathering with that person who wronged you, you know, 10 years ago that you're still holding on to that. We need to see forgiveness out there. And as we do see that, wow, this testifies to the fact that that there is something about this Jesus, about this God, that is worth considering. Why would people think that we worship a God of forgiveness if they don't see forgiveness in our lives? So let me end by, by briefly sharing five steps for how you could forgive today. Number one, ask for God's help. So I'm going back to my situation and I'm like, God, God, I know I do not have the energy. I do not have the perspective. I do not have the feelings to forgive right now, to forgive all the people connected to this. So God, I'm asking for your help. And this isn't just some sort of default thing that we need to say in, in, in a church message. Do we realize what we're doing? We're asking God, this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that was there at the creation of the universe. We're asking him to come and intervene and assist us. This is no small thing. Number one, ask for God's help. Number two, identify specific names. God, who, who needs forgiveness? Ask, ask him to bring names to mind. For me, obviously, there was, there was names attached on paper on the lawsuit. But actually, as I started to ask myself this, even after all the events occurred, where you know the situation was resolved, uh, I didn't have to face anything overly negative coming out of it beyond just these relational dynamics and inconveniences to my time, there were still names that came to mind as I journeyed through forgiveness. And for you, as you ask for names, what you might realize is the name that comes to mind that God puts on your, on your heart is your own name. Like this past week, I had made a mistake in, in, a, in a relationship I had. Uh, it wasn't on purpose, but it still made me feel terrible. And so for me, I realized, man, I now am holding a debt against myself. I demand perfection for myself in this situation. 
And then what I realized is like, wow, I actually got to forgive myself in this. And maybe that's where you're at too. It's very hard to extend forgiveness if there's not a specific name attached to that forgiveness. Which leads us to number three, determine the debt that is owed. Determine the debt. So like, ask yourself, what, what is forever different about my life? What is forever different about my life because of what's happened to me? What are the specific things I feel I'm owed? For me, it's like, I feel like I'm owed compensation for my time. I feel like I am owed an apology, that people admit that they are wrong, that they have wronged and, and hurt me. I feel like I'm owed, you know, the use of my finger back again. Maybe you need to actually sit down and, and, and in prayer, ask for God's help, write down those names and then list out, here's all of what I feel I am owed. Here's all of what I am holding on to because of this. Specifically, determine the debt. And once you've got it, number four, release the debt. And maybe, maybe this means you have to literally go have an awkward conversation where you have to say, I forgive you to somebody in person, face to face, looking in their eyes. And as hard and as awkward as that will be, it actually opens up the door for deeper and better relationships and the possibility of, of restoration. But maybe what it requires is you to just physically open your hands in prayer. As you do this, as you walk through this, palm, not fist. God, you know, I, I forgive this person. Maybe you need to pray, not just to release them, but maybe you need to pray blessing over them. To pray for the one who's wronged you. For me, it became easier to feel the freedom of forgiveness in, in my situation, with, especially towards the other driver and the, and the people on his side. It felt easier to feel the depth of forgiveness when I actually started to pray for them. And not just generically, but actually like honestly, as Jesus would point us to in Matthew 5, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Ask for God's help. Identify specific names. Determine the debt. Release the debt. And then I would add number five, release it again. Like we know... That forgiveness is both a decision and a process. And for me, it took, it took several years of, of, of releasing debts until I finally felt the, the freedom of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. And God is with us. If, you for, if you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, you have a good reason and a good resource to release the people that have wronged you in your life. And as we do, what we'll see is that people are gonna experience the same things in relationship with us as we have experienced in relationship with Jesus.